we're going to be speaking about who we are in Jesus Christ. Now, I, I don't, I don't like to point out preachers and speak of their their shortcomings and things of that nature. I don't do that because there's plenty of people that could preach about me and pick out my shortcomings. But I, I will say this. <clears throat> that if, if you have a TV ministry and you're preaching to the thousands upon thousands, the cross needs to be preached. Yeah. Somebody say amen to that. Yeah. And, and, and if you're preaching to 20,000 people, then it, don't you think that it should be before people leave there, they ought to have an idea who Jesus is? Yeah. All right. Amen. So we don't, we don't preach enough about the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to go over to, and you don't have to go over there with me. You, you stay right in Ephesians. But I'm going to go over to Matthew for just a moment. And they asked the Lord in Matthew when the end was coming. And he, he started to tell them things that they needed to hear. There'll be wars and rumors of wars. He started to tell them about the perilous times. He said, nation will rise against nation. He said, there will be earthquakes in divers places or various places. Earthquakes in the oceans, in the seas, earthquakes. He said, the world would wax worse and worse. He didn't say the church would. He said, the world would wax worse and worse. And he said, that the love of many shall grow cold. He said, but the end hasn't come. He said, that's not the end. He said, that's the time of sorrow. And that word sorrow there means that that's, that's the point of delivery when a woman is about to have a baby. And she's in the time of travail or she is in the time of sorrow. She's about ready to give birth. Now listen, the world is about ready to give birth to something. And it's not good. How many of you understand that? But as we was talking to a few people today... There are two revivals that's going to take place. And one is a revival of the enemy. And if you think that atheism is dead, and if you think humanism is dead, and secularism is dead, you're wrong. And it's infiltrated the church until where we don't have power in the church the way that we need to have power. Okay? <clears throat> but there's also a great revival of the Holy Spirit that's taking place at the same time. And I, I believe that in this last day will be the greatest revival known to mankind. I think it'll be greater than the first awakening, and I think it'll be greater than the second awakening. I think it's going to be the greatest revival that's ever been known in the history of mankind before the coming of Jesus. This revival is going to cross denominational lines. It's not going to be given to the Pentecostals or the Charismatics or the Baptists or the Methodists or the Presbyterian. It's going to be given to the believers that believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so as, as Jesus was teaching, here's what he said. He said, they said, when will the end time come? He said in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 24, just write it down, don't go there. He said, but the one who endures to the end, this is the one that shall be saved. So we do understand that there's going to be hardships. We do understand that it's not going to be the easiest of, of, uh, of ministries. It's going to be a difficult ministry. But verse 14 gives us a clue. And listen to what it says. 
and this gospel of the kingdom. Everyone say say kingdom. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world for a witness. Everybody say witness. Okay, that word witness right there means martyr. How many of you know it doesn't mean witnessing for Jesus in the way that we think it means witnessing. What it means is your witness, God's going to give you the power to be a witness. Somebody say amen. He's going to give you the power to suffer. In Acts 1.8, after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power to be my witness. You shall receive power to suffer. You shall receive power to die. If you need that kind of power, it sounds like the end times are not going to be the prettiest of everything that you've seen in the Bible. Can you say amen to that? So he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. So here's what I want to tell you. He says, now when the kingdom, when the gospel of the kingdom has been preached throughout the world. He doesn't say the gospel of salvation. He says the gospel of the kingdom. And the kingdom takes up a lot of things. The kingdom is salvation. But the kingdom is more than salvation. The kingdom of God is all of God. And we're going to see this in Ephesians chapter 1 as Paul is talking to the Ephesians. Now, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18, go there in your Bible. Listen to what he says. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. Everybody say power. That's dunamis power there. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power, dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Now listen to this. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him head and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and in all. Now here's what I want you to understand about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is salvation. You cannot come into the kingdom of God until you get saved. And you can't get saved other than only through Jesus Christ. There is no other way to go to God. How many of you understand that? We preach now in in a lot of our Christian churches that there are several ways that you can get to the Lord. My friend, listen to me. There is one way. And there has always been one way to get to the Lord and no other way. And that's through Jesus. Do you have an understanding that when people died in the Old Testament who were saints of God, they did not go to heaven. And the reason they did not go to heaven was because Jesus Christ had not yet come 
and die on the cross. How many of you understand that? Now we know that he died on the cross before the foundation of the world because the Apostle Paul is going to say that in Ephesians 1.4. Now listen to what he says in Ephesians 1.4. And he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be blameless and holy. That's amazing right there. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. But the act of the cross itself had not yet been accomplished. So all of these people who died in the Old Testament did not go to heaven. They went to a place called paradise. And in paradise they are waiting for the Lord to come. How many of you understand that? They did not understand the kingdom of God the way that we understand the kingdom of God today. And so if we was to go over to Hebrews chapter 11 and look at verses 39 and 40, listen to what it says. It says that these men of old will not gain perfection without us. Apart from us, they cannot be perfected. So then in Hebrews 12, chapter 1, listen to what he says. Seeing that we are encompassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses... He, listen to this. Who is the cloud of witness? It's them Old Testament saints that is cheering you and I on. How come they're cheering you and I on? Because when we came to Christ, we became the perfection of the Lord. Somebody say amen to that. Listen to what you are not. You are not a sinner saved by grace and, to, and still a sinner. You were a sinner saved by grace, and when you got saved, you became a saint. Why does the Apostle Paul say, and to the saints of Thessalonica? Because he's talking about a people whose sins have been forgiven. And he's talking about people who have come into the kingdom of God. And this is what the Old Testament saints was wanting to see when Jesus Christ came and died on the cross. Men now have the right to come to God and ask for forgiveness and God saves them. In, in Romans chapter 10 and verse 8, listen to what it says. It says, and what does it say? The word is near you, even in your mouth, the word of faith, which we speak. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Now listen to me. That word saved is, 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 is a Greek word called sozo. And in that Greek word, there's four elements to that word. Number one is redemption. When you came to the Lord, you were redeemed. Number two, it's healing. Number three, it's deliverance. And number four, it's resurrection. It's called the kingdom of God. He said that right there needs to be preached around the world. What is that? Listen to me. We have so much stuff that we have no faith. We have stuff. It is true. We have stuff. We have stuff. And we have sometimes too much stuff. We do. You all are laughing because I found out I got too much stuff. I just want to throw it away. 
I got stuff that I don't even know I have. Boy, I tell you, I didn't know that. It, I, I remember when my kids were little. And, and you remember that cream of wheat? And you'd give them that cream of wheat. And he'd get on her face and you'd wipe it off and he'd just smear everywhere. Have you ever eaten a, a, a bowl of oatmeal and thought, dear Lord, I'm never getting to the end of this. Does it just grow in there? You know? That's the way my stuff is. I got way too much stuff. Man, if it wasn't for my wife, I'd burn it all up. I'm telling you right now. I looked out in my driveway. I got too many cars. No, I'm not getting rid of none. I'm just telling you I got too much. Okay? I'm telling you right now. We got too much stuff. And because we have so much stuff, we don't depend on God and trust Him the way we should. And to hold on to the stuff, we have allowed one lie after another to come into the church. Until humanism and secularism has taken over the church and influenced the church. Let me tell you something. You don't realize how much humanism and secularism has taken you over. Until all of a sudden your little pet peeves start getting pierced by the Holy Spirit. And then you look at some corners in your life and say, wow. It's amazing to me in this book right here that's written for us, this manual for life, how much stuff we've taken out of this. We don't throw our stuff away, but we throw stuff away in the Bible. Because the kingdom of God consists of redemption. And we'll all say amen to that. And we have no problem with that. Why do we have a problem with healing? Why do we have a problems with deliverance? Let me tell you something. Hollywood don't have a problem with the devil. And they're making billions and billions and billions of dollars on Hollywood. Blood everywhere. The devil everywhere. And we in our churches allow our kids to watch that. I'm going to smack some of you. I do anyway. You know. I know it's a good message when you walk out and never say a word about it. Yeah. When you start telling me that's a good message, I'm thinking, I didn't do my, my deal. I, I don't see how we can allow our children, when we know what's going on in this world, to take part of it. I don't understand how we can do that. Help me out here, people, because some of you are going to get mad at me, and I'm sorry. But I don't know how in the world that we can allow secularism to deceive us into thinking that this world is billions of years old when it's not. God created this world, my friend, in six days, and on the seventh day he rested. And there is no litmus test and there's no carbon dating that you can go back to to get more than a few thousand years old. How many of you know that? I was literally walk, watching on history. I watch that history channel so I can laugh at it. I think it's a funny show. Besides Channel 2 News, Channel 2 News has to be the funniest comedy on TV. I, I wish they'd teach him people how to read. 
It might be a little more serious. But I'm watching, I'm watching the History Channel, and it's showing how the earth was made when Jupiter bumped into Mars or something like that. And I'm looking at that and I'm saying, wow, how about that? And I didn't know that. And we allow that stuff to happen, and so we've diluted everything in the church. And we don't trust God anymore. But we do for salvation, but not the rest of it. See, see, it is my obligation as a pastor that when I hear that a parishioner of mine might have something going on in his head, it's an obligation of mine to lay hands on him and pray for him that God will heal him. That's my obligation. My obligation is when I know that people have addictions and the devil has a hold of them, my obligation as a pastor is to get that person delivered in the name of Jesus as fast as possible. One of, one of the things that I need to preach to you is, is that there's only one God, only one way to heaven, and that's through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you need to have a desire to go to heaven. I need to preach that. I liked old Yance and them yesterday when there they was. Man, there's dancing up there. Yance's got kidney problems, and the other guy, they're, they're, they're going home pretty quick, and they know that, and they're dancing. You know what? When the doctor tells you that it's time for you to go home, how many of us are really going to dance? Now, listen to what he says. He says, when the kingdom of the gospel of the kingdom has been preached. We don't even know how to preach the gospel of the kingdom because we forgot the gospel of the kingdom. Okay, we're going to preach the gospel of the kingdom. What's the gospel of the kingdom? The gospel of the kingdom is Jesus Christ and him crucified, resurrected Jesus, that walked among men 40 days, ascended on the 40th day to heaven, and on the 50th day sent back his Holy Spirit. That's the gospel of the kingdom. And the gospel of the kingdom consists of your well-being in every manner that you have, in your body, in your soul, and in your spirit. He didn't just heal your spirit, he healed your body. He didn't just heal your body, he delivered you from all things that the enemy wants to place his hands on. How many of you understand that? I think it's so interesting when you read in the 27th chapter, in the 28th chapter of Acts, how Paul is lighting a match. I mean, he's lighting a match. I mean, how Paul is lighting a fire, and a serpent comes out of the fire and attaches onto his hand. And listen to what the people say. The people say, well, he's, he's a crook. He's a robber. He's a criminal. He's supposed to die. The gods are going to make sure that he dies. And then what does he do? He just, he just flicks it off into the fire, and they say, now he's a god. How fickle people really are. They just change from one thing to another because they don't have a substance in the kingdom as they ought to have. Say amen to that. Because here's what we're going to look at. Now, when Jesus Christ dies on the cross, he becomes what? God? He always was God. When he was on earth, he was 100% God. But when he was on earth, he walked as a man, 100% man. How many of you understand that? And when he is about to leave this place, and he says to his disciples, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. How many of you understand that? Now, when the disciples say to Jesus, they say to him, say, help us, teach us how to pray. And here's the way Jesus prays. Listen to what he prays. He says, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God has to come to earth. How many of you understand that? So if the kingdom of God comes to earth, how's it coming to earth? It's coming in you. It's coming in me. We don't understand that everywhere we go, the kingdom of God goes. Some of us are going to eat in restaurants today, and when we go in a restaurant, the kingdom of God's going to go right into the restaurant. Why? Because you're there. Now listen to me. Hello. If you're there and the kingdom of God is there, then the kingdom is laying at your hands for you to be able to operate in the kingdom. Wow. When, it, when, it, when a waitress walks up, how many times do you ever say, hey, you know what? Do you have anything you want prayed about? They don't turn away most time. When I say that to waitresses most time, they start telling me what they want prayed about. The kingdom of God. It's an amazing thing about the kingdom of God. Let's look at it now just a little bit different. Now, when Jesus Christ is on this earth, Jesus is baptized in the river Jordan. Amen? And, G- and, and, and the Father speaks from heaven. And he said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, listen. What, what takes place right there is that Jesus is taking up his earthly ministry. A ministry just like you have. You have an earthly ministry. I have an earthly ministry. He had an earthly ministry. The Bible teaches us, it says in the book of Luke, he says this, is if everything, we can't record everything that Jesus did on this earth. Said there's just not enough paper, there's not enough ink. You can't record everything. Now isn't that ironic that in in John chapter 14 and verse 12, Jesus says this. He says, the things that I do you shall also do, yet greater than these shall ye do, because I go away to be with the Father. So listen to what he's saying. He's saying the kingdom of God will be established in you when I leave this place. And where I could only be one place at one time, now my spirit's going to be all over the world. That's an amazing thing. And he says the great things that I'm going to do, I'm going to do through you. How many of you understand that? And how am I going to do these things through you? I'm going to do them through you because you're going to teach. You're going to make disciples. And guess what's going to happen? The kingdom of God is coming into that person, not just salvation. Yes, salvation. We can't do without salvation. But salvation, healing, deliverance, and resurrection is in that person, is in, that, is in you because Christ abides in you. And you say, well, give me some proof that Christ abides. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, listen to what he says. He's talking about the Gentiles, and he said, I'm going to show you a mystery that's hidden from past generations and ages. What's that mystery? That mystery was not told in the Old Testament. It's not there. It was held back from Isaiah, Jeremiah, and the prophets. He was held back even from Moses. What was that? That Christ would die on the cross and that he would bring in the Gentiles and he would dwell himself within the Gentiles. Listen to what it says. The, 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 the message that's been hidden from past generations and ages is this. That Christ in you, the Gentiles, the hope of glory. That's an amazing thing. So where's Christ? He's inside of me. When I said that at our Tuesday night Bible study, a woman, her finger was shaking. She said, you're trying to tell me Christ is in me. And I said, I'm telling you that. And she said, that's heresy. She said, I've never heard that before. 
I didn't get angry with her. And I said, if I can show you, would you believe it? And she said, yeah. And I showed her. And now she's one of the best people I've got in that Bible study. Been with me 12 years. And now they go everywhere preaching the gospel. It's an amazing thing. They go to Brookdale Presbyterian Church. And when Brookdale was going to uh, had that major uh, uh, impact in that church, whether they was going to allow homosexuals to preach and all of that good stuff, and they said no. And it was these two people that stood up, Don and Karen Gladhart. I'll mention their names. And they stood up and they said, no, we're not going to do that. Because Christ is in us the hope of glory. How many of you understand that? And so what is Christ in us? When, well, when Jesus walks on this earth, he's a man. And people don't know much about Jesus the man. And so when we see Jesus the man and we see him healing people, we say, well, he's God. Yeah, he was. But he wasn't healing people because he was God. He was healing people because he was a man filled with the Spirit of God. He was filled with the Spirit of God at the Jordan River. The Bible teaches us that. He was filled with the Spirit of God at the Jordan River. And everywhere he went, everything that he did, he did as a man. The Bible says he laid down his deity. He emptied himself for a little while. He laid it down. He became submissive to the Father. When he was in heaven, he was equal with the Father. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're equal. They are right now. But he comes to this earth and he takes on the pattern of a man just like you and I. And you know what he does? As he walks this earth, he knows every single thing that you and I go through. Every single thing you and I go through. Now pay attention. Here's, it's, it, it's interesting. So what does he do? He walks on this earth. First part of his ministry, here we go. He is tempted by the devil in the wilderness. And how does he overcome the devil? He doesn't overcome the devil because he is God. He overcome the devil because he said, it is written. Is what he said. What is written? Thou shalt not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Listen to what he said. He, 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 he defeats the enemy just like you and I do. How do we defeat the enemy? It is written. It is written. If you don't know what's written, you cannot defeat the enemy. You have to know what's written. I have to know what is written about me in this word. I have to know the kingdom of God in me and how it can defeat everything in the world when it comes against me and how as a pastor I can defeat it when it comes against you. You know what James Robinson said? I love that guy. He said, you know what? I got tired of serving a God that couldn't do anything. How many of you are just tired of serving a God that can't do anything? You got three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they are standing before the most powerful man on planet earth of that time who is King Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar had built an image 
And he said when they heard the music, they were to bow down to that image. And those three boys said this, we don't bow down to no one but God. Now listen to what they said. They said, O king, we are not careful to answer thee on this matter. Our God is more than able to deliver us from that fiery furnace. But whether he does or whether he does not, we'll not bow down to that. And when that king looked in that furnace, listen to what he said. Did we not cast three men in there? He said, I see four in there, and one is like unto a son of God. Listen, he didn't say the son of God. He said a son of God. Listen to what he's saying. He's saying there's something going on down there that I don't understand. Listen to what he did. He took those children and he threw them right in the midst of the Holy Spirit. And that's what God's doing to the church today. It's an amazing thing. So Jesus is a man. And he's walking as a man. He defeats the devil as a man. He takes the stripes of our healing as a man. This is interesting to me. And then he goes to the cross. In John chapter 19 and verse 30, listen to what he says. Write it down. Listen to what he says. He said, it's finished. What is finished? This whole thing's finished. The Bible says he said it's finished and he hung his head and he died. And so you know what? When we... When we we look up in, in uh, uh, I think it's the book of Hebrews. He's the, no, I think, yeah, the book of Hebrews, the author and the finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Finisher there means perfecter. He is the perfecter of our faith. And when we look at Jesus saying it is finished, he's saying it is perfected. That's an amazing thing. He's hanging on the cross, and now he's come to the end. And all scriptures concerning Jesus has been fulfilled. And he said it's finished. That word finished is not the same word. Listen to what it means. It means that he finished that work in his human body. What did he do? I, I, did anybody hear, listen to James Merritt this morning? What Did you see that last thing that he said? That, that uh, anyway, he's talking about the law. I, I, I forget it right now. But anyway, it was interesting. Anyway, so he takes what, what Jesus does. He's a perfect man. He's walking perfect. He breaks no laws ever, and he completes the law. A man filled with the Holy Spirit of God fulfills the law completely. And he does it through the Word. And the only Word that he had was the Old Testament. You have all this new stuff that Paul's written. And he finishes it, and he goes to the cross. And when he goes to the cross, guess what he does? He takes on every one of your sins. He takes on every one of my sins. But before he takes my sin, he completed my healing. And I really like that because he, he takes the stripes for our healing before he goes to the cross. So he takes the stripes... And the Apostle Peter says, by those stripes you were healed. Which means that you can take it to the Lord. And when you take it to the Lord, consider yourself healed by your faith. Whatever you pray. Pray in faith and expect God to be, be able to do that. And so he goes to the cross. And what does he take to the cross? He takes your sin and my sin to the cross. 
And then, then he takes the robe of humanity, this robe that we wear, he takes the robe of humanity to the cross. And there, he's taken it to the cross, and death now has the right to take him. And death takes him. Do you know that's called the snare of Calvary? Do you, do you know that Paul taught us that if the kings and the prince of this world had only known, he would have never suffered the Christ to be crucified? How many of you know that? Because understand something, when Christ is crucified on the cross, it's called the snare of Calvary. What happens is, is that now, there he's hanging on the cross, and death has right access to take him. And death goes up there with the javelin of death, and runs that javelin through him, not knowing exactly what was about to take place, that when Jesus Christ feels the sting of death, the last man to feel the sting of death, because you're saved, you're never going to feel the sting of death, he took that sting for you somebody say man you're just going to fall asleep in Jesus Christ and wake up in the bliss of the Lord that's a wonderful thing when you think about that he took the sting of death and when he took the sting of death that was the snare because what happens then all of a sudden the devil death hell and the grave goes straight into the pits itself of hell and there Jesus Christ destroys death hell, and the grave. And when he destroys death, hell, and the grave, what does God give to him? He goes to the devil and he takes away from the devil what Adam had given him. And what did Adam give him? The keys to the kingdom. He gave him the keys to the kingdom, Adam did. And when Jesus Christ dies on the cross, what does he do? He goes to the devil and he takes back the keys to the kingdom of God. And when he takes those keys to the kingdom of God, he does not take those keys to heaven. He gives those keys to the church. He says this, listen, preach the gospel of the kingdom to the whole earth. What is that? You're not defeated. You have every access. The kingdom of God's been open. I'm not going to preach much longer. Because you're not amen to me. You amen me, I'll preach another hour. Really? Yeah, there, the chuckle is better. We're, we're in America, people. We don't preach that long. If, we was in, if, if I said that and I was in Africa, they'd say, preach! Amen. We don't do that here. So what happens is Jesus now is, is risen from the dead. He's going to walk among men for 40 days because he's going to teach them the kingdom of God. He's going to teach these disciples. And he says something in Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 49. Listen to what he says. He says, the Bible says that he opened up all the scriptures to their memory. He just opened it up. And right instantly there, they understood the scriptures. Now listen to what he says. He says, now I want you to go tarry in Jerusalem until you are filled with power from on high. Or you are clothed with power from on high. Because the job you are about to do, you can't do by just knowing the scriptures. You did not get that. You have to be filled with my power. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you my name, power of authority, because we pray in Jesus' name. We do everything in the name of Jesus. He said, I'm going to give you attorney, a power of attorney. Through my, I'm going to give you my authority through power of attorney. And then he said, I'm going to give you my power through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
He says this. He says, now, he says, you will defeat the enemy on every hand. Listen to me. If I was preaching this church in Africa, they'd be yelling. If I was preaching this ministry right now in Central America, they would just be praising the Lord. But we don't do that here. Why do we not do that here? Because we have allowed humanism and secularism to invade, and we don't preach the truth. What he said to preach was the kingdom of God. That's what he said to preach. So now Jesus, as a man, finished this thing as a man, and he took it to the cross and finished it, And when he dies and he goes into the lower parts of the earth for three days and three nights, when he ascends, he ascends with the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And he gives it to you. Let me tell you something about heaven. Is this okay? Do you know that heaven controls everything? Do you know that? Heaven controls everything. God in heaven controls everything. You have the keys to the access of that. And that's why Jesus Christ said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you understand that when God give us the keys to the kingdom, that we have access to the throne room of God? We have access with our faith into the throne room of God. Somebody say amen to that. So I, I, I look at this and I say, okay, this is pretty cool. So it says this, he says now in verse 20 of Ephesians, he said, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Pretty interesting. So then I go over to Ephesians chapter 2, and I see that I'm dead in my trespasses and sins. And then I see that I'm made alive in Christ. And there I see that God has made me rich in his mercy. In verse 4, because of his great love for me. And then in verse 5, And even when I was dead in my transgressions, he made me alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Now look at verse 6. Everybody look at verse 6. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So where am I seated? Where are you seated? You're seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you this. Will God withhold anything from his son? No. Why? His son already came. His son already did. His son can't do anymore. Here's the interesting thing about being saved. You know you can't get more holy than what you are right now. When Christ saved you, you became holy. When Christ saved you, you became the glory of the Father. Isn't that interesting? And so now what he's done, he seated me in Jesus at the right hand of the Father. He said, that's what you got to preach. That's a message that needs preached in our churches. Let me tell you something. The Democrats aren't going to get you out of this. They're going to get you in trouble. The Republicans aren't going to get you out of this. And the reason why, because they got no backbone, no spunk. The liberals and the conservatives, they're not going to do anything. They can't. It's when we turn our eyes and our face towards Christ. And we start to, to, to receive him and believe him. President Trump isn't going to get you in trouble or out of trouble. Nor is Congress. They're all liars. All of them. They don't tell the truth. The truth's not in them. 
They want to make a constitutional amendment. Do you know what a constitutional amendment is? They want to rewrite the Constitution. I teach history. It's amazing. These kids are going, whoa, when I teach them history. Guess what our history books don't teach? What we're teaching right now in history, we learned in school when we was in school, us older people. But it's not taught now in our history books because we're rewriting history. How many of you understand that? Now, I'm telling you understand this. You, you might get angry with me. I really don't care. How many of you know I don't care? Homosexuality is not of God. It is not of God. Please understand that. If homosexuals come in here, I would preach the same thing. I would lead them to the Lord. How many of you understand that? And you say you can't do that. Yes, we did. We had two come to our Bible study, didn't we? And I never attacked them. There ain't no point attacking anybody. I just kept teaching the Word, never mentioned it, and the Word saved them. That's an amazing thing. That's what the Word did. The Word saved them. So what, what happens? So if I'm seated... In Jesus, at the right hand of God. That's what the Word says. Is that what it says? Then what power am I limitless in? What power? I know you might not believe in divine healing, but I do. So it don't really make any difference whether you do or not. As long as I do, I'm the one laying hands on people. And understand this, I'm very careful who I have lay hands on people. You don't want everybody just laying hands on you. How many of you understand that? And I understand that there's a devil and that he, he binds people up. The word says whatever is bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever loosened on earth will be loosened in heaven. That's what the word says. The word says that we have that power to do that. We sing we got the power, but we don't believe that. You know what? We, we used to sing this song. Remember this song we used to sing, Doris, Nancy? I feel like traveling on. We sing that, I feel like traveling on. We get sick and say, oh, get prayer, man. We don't want to die. I thought you felt like traveling on. (laughs) You know, people were, you know, right? Okay, you guys are hard on me. But the kingdom of heaven is right here. James 4, 7 says, resist the devil, submit yourself to the Lord, and he'll flee from you. Now, that word resist right there means resistance. It's a military term, and it means that you go to war against the devil, and you be completely submissive to the commander-in-chief, and the devil will run because he doesn't want to know the power that you know that you have. When the devil starts to understand that you understand the power that you have in the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus, things in your life start to change. I want to see things in America change. I know you want to see things in America change. But things in America aren't going to change until preachers start to change. Until preachers start to preach truth. And what's the truth? The truth is the kingdom of God. I'm going to finish with this. And then we'll stand. In the 10th verse. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has prepared for you and me good works. I can't get to heaven by my works. Somebody say amen to that. But I have been molded and made by Christ Jesus. I am his workmanship. You are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus unto Good works, 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It doesn't get me closer in my salvation, but it makes my relationship with God a whole lot better. How many of you understand that? It doesn't have anything to do with my salvation. I'm saved. Period. How many of you understand that? God has me. I'm saved. But that doesn't mean that I'm walking in the kingdom the way I should be walking in the kingdom. If we could get a hold of this message, we could turn the United States around. Somebody say, man. We can turn our families around. We can turn our churches around. Listen, you ought to make me want to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And if I'm not preaching the gospel of the kingdom, you need to come to me and say, Pastor, you need to preach the gospel of the kingdom. Pastors need to preach the gospel. What is that? Yes, I need to be saved. And if you're not saved this morning, you're not going to heaven. Okay? But that's not the worst of it. If you're not saved this morning, you don't know the richness of the Lord and his kingdom. I know that we say to people, you want to go to heaven? Yeah, we'll get saved. Okay, that's okay. You know, but that's not the only reason to get saved. See, because when I got saved, that's a gimme. I'm going to heaven. Understand that? I got saved. I'm going to heaven. Don't have to worry about that no more. I'm on my way to heaven. But when I got saved, it wasn't all about heaven. It's about the world in which I live. How many of you understand that? It's about the cultures that I'm in. It's about what I'm doing here for you, what I'm doing for people. It's about the kingdom of God. 